Hi, I'm Lanise Brothers, a registered nutritionist, women's health, hormone, and menstrual cycle coach, and the founder of Eat Love Move, a nutrition and well-being practice. This is the Period Story Podcast, where in each episode, I sit down with a guest to talk about their period story. We get behind some of the myths and misconceptions about periods and so much more. Now, on to today's guest. On today's episode, we have Elaine de la Cruz. Elaine is the co-founder of Project 23, a culture and performance consultancy passionate about people. After a successful career working in the media industry, she saw that there was room to do things better and was placed to do something about it. Started in 2018, Project 23 helps organizations to create an inclusive culture, in turn increasing employee happiness and ultimately resulting in better business performance. Their mission is to make the media industry a fairer, happier, and more productive workplace. Elaine is an ICF accredited executive coach, consultant, speaker, and trainer. She calls herself a positive disruptor, wanting to actuate change for good. Elaine's a proud single mom, a first-generation born Filipino Londoner, and a lover of music and eating. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Lanise. Thank you for having me. That makes me sound... um... That makes me sound pretty established, doesn't it? Makes me sound like I've done stuff. You you have. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into the question that I start each episode with. So tell me the story of your first period. Uh, yeah. So obviously, you know, in after you, as soon as you invited me, I did think you got to rack your brains and start thinking about the detail of my first period. And I do wonder whether or not this uh, a sh- relatively short story about my first period actually maybe is saying something about the way that I am with periods in general and maybe my kind of experience with it so the detail that I have is pretty short and stubby I would describe um, so uh, I reckon I don't even know how old I was but I'm going to guess that I was probably about 12 um, so back then so I'm 41 so back then that was pretty much in between um, primary school or middle school, as we called it, even back then, and high school. So, because obviously the, the years dropped in, in London um, back then as well. So, um, every summer, we and the like, the family and our extended family here in London would get so so excited about the prospect of going to Newbury. That like, inverted commas Newbury. So the place called Newbury, but what we called Newbury was actually where um, a, a, my parents' friend, she was a housekeeper of a huge, huge, like what I would describe as a mansion. But it's probably like a stately home. And in this mansion, they had a swimming pool, which was like the best thing ever. They had horses, they had tennis courts, they had a big old house. And the family that she was the housekeeper for would obviously allow her every now and then to invite her friends and family over. So for us, you know, all my, my, my friends, parents, we didn't have any family here, but that was our family. So all the kids, every year we would go, and that would probably be our annual holiday, actually. Um, and we would get so excited. And I remember I would count down the weeks, count down the weeks to it. Then, the, you know, the driver's there, inevitably, it's, are we there yet? Are we there yet? And one year, I was absolutely devastated because this was the year that I got my first period. and. Um, all that meant to me, so my memory of it was sitting on the edge of the pool, paddling with my feet in, 
watching all the kids go nutso in the pool with all the dinghies and, you know, splashing everyone. And, yeah, we're a big bunch of kids. I think we're probably about 13, 14 kids of various ages. My family, essentially. And um, I just remember thinking, shit. Well, I probably wasn't thinking shit. I was just kind of sulking. I wasn't in the pool because I didn't, I wasn't allowed to. And all I remember thinking was that, I guess, blood would just leak out into the pool like a movie or something. And as I'm sitting there, and one of the aunts, in inverted commas, if you know, you know, then um, she was kind of like, Elaine, why are you getting in the pool? Come and get in the pool. And before I could say anything else, my mum just went, oh, no, she has her period. <laughs> she has her period for the, like, for the first time. And then they started speaking in Tagalog, like the Filipino, like the native language between them. And I could just get the kind of bits and pieces of the fact that they were talking about me and the fact that it's my first period. Oh my God, that type of thing. Oh, really? Oh, she's so big now. Oh, and I'm just sitting there like, oh my God, this is cringe. Um, and, and, and that was my memory. So, and I think it was missing out is the, the feeling I have. And people talking about it like it was this thing that you weren't really supposed to talk about and most definitely something that the women did the women spoke about not the girls but the women um and I yeah I just remember my mum just blurting that out and obviously I'm sure lots of mums do that but mortificado is the word (laughs) I will use for it but yeah that's my that is and there's but there's not really a before and an after that I don't remember I don't remember the experience I don't remember you know looking into my panties and seeing blood I don't remember sanitary towels I don't remember anything like that in that on that occasion I just remember I guess that trauma piece which I didn't really recognize as trauma at the time but maybe it was it was just absolute like embarrassment but yeah that was my first first period and so how did you how did you learn about what it actually was? So you said you don't really remember the actual event, but did you have conversations beforehand with maybe cousins or um, your mom about what was going what was going to happen? Right. So this is the thing. So, you know, I think knowing that I'm going to be talking about my first period and knowing that I, I have two daughters who are 12 and 11, and talking about periods and understanding about periods is obviously completely relevant and I need to know and they I, I want to know how to, I've always wanted to know how to tell them so coming here to, I was thinking okay what what was it I mean maybe my memory is like maybe I have holes in my memory that I don't remember mum my mum telling me or my older sister te- my older sister is five years older than me but genuinely I don't have a single memory of my parents, my mom telling me, my older sister telling me, I have a vague memory of secondary school. So this is, I probably already got my period of how to use tampons. I remember that lesson because it was in one of the huts and it was freezing. Um, but not a, not, not a single memory. And I was, I called my sister. I FaceTimed my sister, my sister lives in Toronto and I called her just a few days ago, just thinking, dude, I need to double check with you. You know, did you ever tell me? Did you ever tell me about my period? She's like, I don't, I don't think so. I don't even remember who told me. And, and I think I was really curious to know, do most people come and tell you that they have a clear memory of who told them and they have this maybe horrific story or this joyous story. But I do wonder what it, I did wonder to myself, what does it say that I think it never happened? I think the conversation in the household 
actually never happened. Um, and maybe that was a cultural thing. Maybe it was just not what my mum thought was necessary, or maybe of an age. I don't know. Maybe of our generation. I'm not quite sure. So I was. I'd be really interested to hear what other people always say and what you know what you experience. The the, the averages, if you like. I mean, it's so different. I mean, some some guests have talked about learning almost by osmosis, seeing kind of uh, pads or tampons around the house in the bathroom. Um, other people learned from school. From one of my guests, she talked about how she learned from Jackie magazine. <laughs> Wicked. <laughs> um, so I think culture definitely plays into a lot of the conversations. And I just wonder, from a cultural perspective, did was there any conversation about sex, um, or was that kind of something you learned by osmosis as well? So I, I, like I said earlier, I'm 41. I still haven't had a conversation about sex like that. That's, <laughs> I, that's, uh, I think, I think it's cultural uh, to a degree, but I also think it is like many things. It's down to, you know, it is about who my parents are as people and the generation that they grew up in. Uh, and definitely, I don't know, maybe, maybe, you know, they came from the Philippines in the early seventies. They were completely able to speak English, but maybe, I don't know, maybe there is a language barrier thing for them as well to talk about things that are that much more uncomfortable. I think they definitely come from an era, a culture, uh, a family where we don't talk about certain things. We don't talk about periods. We don't talk about sex. We will talk a little bit about the things that you're not supposed to do. So, you know, I had, <laughs> I had, I had many one-way conversations about drugs, which were basically, you don't ever do drugs. Um, and and they, so it was mentioned like that. But I think in general, um, they, they don't know, they don't have, I suppose, the vocabulary, the capabilities to be able to talk about things as a whole piece. So if we're talking about periods, I think that my mum and dad, who were both, they both worked in hospital, they both are hospital workers. My mum was... Um, she worked for the NHS for ages. She was a hematology lab technician. My dad was a theatre technician, so he worked in operating theatres. Both very, very practical and able to deal with the medical and physical things. But actually, obviously, when you're talking about periods, you're talking about, or sex, you're also, it's a huge part of it, is also about emotion and how you deal with it, how you cope with it um, as a person. And those things, I don't think they have the vocabulary to be able to to really express. And I think that's another reason why they kind of shied away or stepped away from it. And to be frank, or to be honest, I don't even know if they know that they stepped away from it. You know, I think I think they there is a, we're, you know, you and I, we grew up with Oprah Winfrey and Dr. Phil. Mm. And we've been given that vocabulary, right? Like you're a fool if you can't, you know, you're not deep if you don't have that kind of thing, which obviously I'm just joking, but they, they just don't have, they don't know how. Um, but also I think there is 100% a part of it, which is a, we don't talk about periods because that's periods and they're, they're private. You know, they are shut away as we all know that, you know, the, the society has made us do. They are, they are things that we don't talk about. 
I don't even remember the the question, if that answers your question or not. Yeah, no, definitely it has. So having grown up with this, not not really remembering how you learned about your your period and how kind of to kind of deal with it, what have you taken from that experience and how are you now speaking to your daughters about what has come or is about to come for them? Yeah, a great question. I mean, um, I think I with with all the parenting challenges and aspects that you have. So you know, we all want to be amazing parents, right? I know. I always loved this phrase when I was when I, when the kids were first really young, which is that women mums want. I mean, this is this is so generalizing here. So everyone can hate me for this, but it just it, it meant something to me at the time. Women mums they want to be the best mums ever the best mums ever dads they just want to survive that shit right that's what I always <laughs> thought was just funny and uh, and and I definitely experienced that as a mum that I want to be the best mum I could possibly be so as I have got older as I've got more informed and that's still a, you know that's still a growth line for me now um obviously I want to be I hate to say it, but I say it, I want to be a better parent than my parents were to me. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. I mean that in a more informed, educated way. And I take what they gave me as an essence and I add on to it. So when it comes to what I've learned about my experiences with periods and how I can and, uh, inform my girls, that's just one example of that where I, I've, I'm definitely aware. I can look back and I can see that, yeah, I didn't have not even the practical tools, because clearly I did. But it's the power that comes, I think, that the, 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 the empowerment that comes with being more informed about knowing about periods, the statement of the fact that it shouldn't be in the background. Why, why does it have to be in the background? So that's the bit I want to bolt on. Yes, they never t- my mum never told me about um, how I should do it, but I think the bit that I really only got later that I want to put on them earlier from the beginning is the, the the feminist bit which is the bit about you know this is nothing to be ashamed of this is everything to be proud of and actually the, the privilege that's attached to having your period yes I complain about it but there's a huge privilege so I suppose when I started to think about okay I've got to I've got to tell my kids this at some point and I remember the time my sister was on holiday here and her youngest, she has three girls, uh, uh, and her youngest is the same age as, as my oldest. And at the time, I think they're about 10. And she's come, and then they've gone back to Canada. We're FaceTiming. And I remember her just, I don't know how, but the subject of periods came up into our conversation as mums. And um, because her two, her older two are that much older, like 10 years old, eight, eight nine years older, uh, Jessie, her youngest, already knew about periods. And so I was give, take that as given. She was like, oh, yeah, but, you know, you know, yeah, I'm sure Jessie's going to start her puberty soon. And I just thought, oh, shit. Yeah, they're, the kids aren't babies anymore. Like, this chat is kakapsu, right? The whole, the whole chat. And that was the moment I just thought, okay, I need to start thinking around and do this. Uh, and then what I did, obviously, like any, any first-timer in this situation, <laughs> I went to my friend Google. And I was like, how do I do this? How do I check it out? So I did that. I, I thought, okay, what's the structure? I went very pragmatic. What's the structure of this? How am I going to do this? And I, I, I kind of took what I wanted to take from it, which was the first one, 
I need to tell them about the, the the physicality of it, the physical stuff, the body, the human body stuff, the the biology of it. And then the second thing was to talk to them about what you do about it, the resources, how you how you manage with that. And then the third one was, you know, the reality, the practicalities of it, if you like, because that was helpful to me. Google was helpful to me because I was going to go in it with the science, thinking that's how it's approachable for them. But actually, obviously, they would have a trillion questions about what does this stuff just leak down my leg or how how does this work? So I found that really helpful. Um, but before I before I had that talk, and I do have a funny story about that talk because I had it twice. Um, I did think a lot about how I how I like everything else normalize things for them that this is about. Um, periods just being something uh that is as everyday as breathing or whatever else it is that we need to deal with or think about i think i've rambled slightly there but um no i think that's it's it's really good and i think that you took your experience and you want to your daughters to have a different experience and i think that's really powerful because you know, I I really relate to what you're saying about, you know, just trying to be a better parent and your parent. And I think that we we have so much access to information now that we know so much more and it's easier to get informed about, oh, how should I potty train my child? How should I teach my child about periods? You know, it's so easy to learn about whatever you need to learn about. But before you go on to the story, funny stories that you have about I'm sure how funny it is but yeah (laughs) um I just want to ask you so how did you eventually learn about your your period did you just uh was it reading magazines or was it if you do you actually have any memory of that do you know what I I I really genuinely don't I really genuinely don't when you when you said uh, uh, earlier on, some people talk about learning about it through osmosis. For me, when you said that, I thought, oh, yeah, that, that's, that must be it. That's all I've got, really, which isn't the answer. It's not the, it's not the great anecdotal answer for you. But I don't know. I think I was thinking about this last night, particularly just thinking, I, I don't know what that says, but I do think it might say something just the fact that it's maybe I am as much as I'm sitting here saying, you know, I want to teach my kids about the privilege that it is to have periods and how strong and powerful we are as women. Um, you know, it's the absolute opposite of the fact that we have to hide this stuff and not talk about it. And I think that the experience that I have or that lack of memory, I have nothing else but to think that it's because it's just not been a conversation in my life that I've had at, at what should be perhaps profound moments. So whether it was my mum, and I don't mean that as a disrespectful thing at all, but whether it was a, a lack of conversation with my mum or my sister, who I was always close to and was definitely my big sister, you would think that that maybe is another person. Um, at school, I don't remember it happening really at school. And I definitely, I, I know it didn't happen. The school thing, I think, oh, must have happened, surely, the conversation, but I don't remember it. But I think I would 100% know if I had the conversation with my girlfriends at the time and I don't I don't I don't think that ever happened I have no recollection of that 
And I can't, you know, I think it was only until, you know, many, many, many years later where I think I might have had a conversation with my girlfriends about it, actually, which I think is telling. Do you, did you ever have any issues with your period? Uh, where, like, did you have painful periods or any conditions where you may have um, kind of sought out some medical advice, if you would like to share? Yeah, no. Luck- luckily, no. Um, I think definitely not. My experience with with my periods was was always a bit. I was always very laissez-faire about it. I was. I did not keep track of when my periods were. I just would get caught out on the hop all the time. Um, I never learned. I see. I mean, what a fool! I would never learn. Uh, and. I, I probably went through a, a time, uh, probably like uni days, early like uni days, early twenties, maybe when we first met. Actually, oh, I, I was a party girl. I was always out, and I was doing things I shouldn't probably be doing. Um, <laughs> and I think that probably affected my my period too. So I remember I would miss I would I would miss a period sometimes, um, and or I would be weeks late, and I would. It would take me a while to notice, like a very irresponsible while to notice. Uh, and I, after, and then it would come. And obviously in that period of time where you notice and you're like, uh, please, Lord, no, uh, let my period, let my period come. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I never imagined I'd be singing that. But anyway, but yes, in that time, you'd obviously have a bit of panic. And then my period come. And actually I put it down to the fact that I was, I was just party. I was partying so much. I was having a regular sleep. I wasn't looking after my body. I was having like a ridiculously too good a time in that sense. And that was what was making my periods become very irregular. Um, other than that, I would always, I would, I noticed that I, I had, I would hear or read or someone would say that their period lasts seven days or eight days. And I'd be like, shit, man, my period lasts for like four days, three days like start to finish. And I would think, oh, I'm, ja- I'm obviously pretty jammy here with this. And then I had kids in my late 20s. And then after that, I noticed that my period would really, it was, it was, it was different. It did, it did change everything. So uh, they were a lot more like clockwork, um, although I still was very laissez-faire about it, but I knew that I, I felt that like they were much more clockwork and they were heavier. They were longer and heavier and it was a bit like, you know, God damn, why, why? You know, that kind of thing. And I would get cramps and PMT like I never did before. And actually, as I've got older, I've started to notice that I, I get PMT in a way that I'm pretty sure I didn't before. Like clockwork, actually. And what, when you say PMT, what, what does that mean for you? Oh, t- to me, it means a freaking mood. To me, it means, you know... Uh, it, it it can be a mixture. It's definitely mood based for me when I say it, uh, and it can be either just feeling quite heavy, like a dark, you know, just just heavy in in mood, or most definitely um, uh, a shorter temper. Uh, so, and I wouldn't say I'm irrationally so, but the fuse is so much shorter, and it's it's always four or five days before, rather than a day before, two days before. Um, and, and I, you know, I'm fiery as a person anyway. So, yeah, you, I, I don't have the, 
I don't have my pride gets in the way of warning people that it's here or my boyfriend that it's here. But um, you know, and and heaven forbid if he were to ever bring it up with me and say, well, you know, you clearly, <laughs> I probably would, I probably would go to jail. So he probably knows. But, but I, I know, I know it's happening after the effect. If you know what I mean, at the mo, in the moment, I just think I'm perfectly sane. Thank you very much. Do not criticize me. Do not tell me I'm over emotional. And then maybe two days later, I'm like, oh, shit, I was I was a dragon. So, yeah, I guess that's what it means. I turned into a bit of a dragon. <laughs> so do you, do you track your cycle? Uh, I started to track my cycle only about three or four months ago. Okay. Not long ago at all. Like, like and I don't know, I, I don't know why, to be honest. I don't know why I did it. I think... I think maybe it might have even been something as superficial as a freaking Instagram ad that got me. Um, and so I do now, I use flow and I only track it. I only wanted to track it because I just thought, okay, I'm a big grown woman now. I need to start knowing what day this comes before it never comes again. Uh, and so, yeah, yeah, I do track it. And then as the app, uh, as I've started to use the app, I started to add, you know, just any kind of, I started to track PMT. Um, and that's pretty much it. I don't really, like, I couldn't even tell you what functionality there is on the app besides that. Um, I had, I remember having a quick look at like what other content there was there, what other things I might find useful, but I just thought, nah, I'm, I don't need that. Maybe I'm missing on a whole world of resource I don't know about. And no, I'd say like what I say to my clients is you need to just, you do track it the best way for you. Some people, they love getting really into detail and they actually kind of journal on how they're feeling each day. And some people, it's literally the start of their period, the end of their period, and then they, that's me actually. I Because I'm kind of in tune with how my body is, I track when it starts, when it finishes, and then when I'm ovulating, I kind of notice that and that's it. So you just do it what's best for you yeah there's so many different apps and options out there how do you how how do you can I ask how do you feel when you're ovulating so when you're ovulating how does that feel um so typically that's where you have the highest energy in your menstrual cycle so it's I for me personally I know when I'm ovulating because I and I really have to control this because I almost have like a manic energy and I want to over schedule I'm trying to I try to do too much and I kind of it's like go 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 I know that I can I have more energy to do like workouts and I can do long runs or I can do super long yoga sessions um and that's because, you know, my hormones are all like estrogen is really high. Testosterone yeah. is really high. Obviously, libido is highest at that point. Um, but for like, there are also physical signs. So, you know, you have the cervical fluid, it changes. So you see, notice that in your underwear, um, you might, some women, when they also, their temperature, well, we are, all of our temperature will increase as well. So mm-hmm. I think, Typically, women start to notice ovulation when they're trying to get pregnant. Yeah. But it has actually, it's something that we should all be aware of because that's actually where our menstrual cycle, I believe, focuses on 
ovulation yep. rather than where everyone focuses on having a period. So true. So true. And I've never, I'm going to, as soon as you started saying that, I thought, oh, I'm going to, I have another date to mark in my app. <laughs> I'm going to start tracking. I want to track. Like I'm really curious to know if that, how I feel when I'm ovulating, because I think that's what it is. How do I feel when I'm ovulating? Uh, I'm. I want to. I want all of that energy. I want to do something with it. And I'll just steal from you and the fact that I just cap it. I know not to overextend, but I. I I'm gonna. I'm gonna get back to you and tell you if that happens to me as well. Yes. Surely. I want to go back to what you were saying about um, how you were talking to your daughter, you talked to your daughters about their period and what, what was their reaction to the conversation? Okay. So I, I, I had, uh, going, rewinding back to that moment where my sister was like, Oh yeah, you know, we should tell them that I was, I was a bit like, Oh shit. Yeah. I should tell them. And funnily enough, I've always, uh, so it's always in the main, it's been the three of us in the house. Uh, I've been a single mum since my youngest. There's only 13 months between them and since they were two and one. And so it's a very female house, obviously. Uh, and I have always tried to be a parent where I'll just tell them the way it is. Like nothing is taboo. Or anyway, that, that's how I've tried. For all I know, I'm just a walking walking version of my mum where, you know, maybe I whisper the bad words or something. I don't know. But I've tried to be very open. So, you know, when they first, I don't know, saw on TV a gay couple, you know, what are, well, how come they're kissing? Because they're gay. That's it. How, well, there's a trans person, but he's trans. That's what it is. And here's the background. This is, you know, as much as I possibly can about the world. But for some reason, unbeknown to me, maybe because we're just a product of our mums and our dads, I never really told them about periods. Like the door, you know, like most mums, I couldn't, I could never go to the toilet without like, it's a freaking party in the toilet, right? They just, <laughs> yeah. they just follow you in and they're asking me about my, their freaking homework or whatever in the toilet. Um, but I would always lock the door when I had my period, I think, or when I was changing my tampons or as whatever, maybe because when they were really young, I don't know, I guess, you know, exactly the opposite of what I'm trying to teach them. I just thought maybe it's too much for them or whatever. I don't know. But I found myself you know, beyond their two or three years old to now they're eight or nine. And I'm still haven't really said anything about it. And I think that I never said anything. The way that what I would tell myself anyway, and I still think it's it's fair, is that they've got years to think about that shit. Like you you can you can get away with that for now. Don't worry about it. I think I just wanted to maintain that for them. Innocence is the wrong word, but for want of a better phrase, just give them that kind of freedom and innocence. Anyway, so now you know, unlike most topics in my life with them, I don't have any run-up. I've got zero run-up. <laughs> and, and shit, this thing could happen. You know, I got scared. My sister was like, it could happen any day. And I know some girls where it happened when they're nine. And I'm just like, oh, fuck. So I sit them. I, I, I know that at some point I'm going to sit them down. And we happened to be watching a TV show. And I can't remember what, but it was slightly adult. But I've always let them kind of watch TV that's probably a bit too mature. Uh, but comedy-wise, particularly. And something had happened, there was a bit of banter on the TV, and it was about sex. And I just found this moment. I thought, okay, this is the moment. And it's like quarter to nine, so it's nearly bedtime as well. Alert later, that's not a good time to have these conversations. And I just launch into this conversation. And I start with the science of it all. 
and they are engaged they are on it and I'm like this is going well and 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 I knew that that would be how I'd get in you know this is science they're I'm proud to say they're both very bright girls and they're very into school and learning so I'm like you know the egg and oh no I, I think I went slightly birds and bees first uh and and they're there and and then it gets to the point where I'm like so if you don't if you don't have a baby then what happens is your uterus lining and then you know and then there'll be blood you know I'm going through this thing and then there'll be blood and I think I said it like that and, and this, before this point there's questions you know there's questions loads of questions I'm like I'm a freaking great mum this is going well <laughs> and then as I say there's blood and I'm like yeah yeah and it's blood but it doesn't hurt in the way that, you know, we think about blood when you get cut. It doesn't mean like that. There can be some pain. And then before I knew it, the old one, Mia, she is bawling. She is just crying. And I'm like, you don't have to cry, Mia. You don't have to cry. And I, I just had this, what I now know was pretty hard. It was quite this, you don't have to cry. There's nothing, you don't have to worry. And she's just, you know, oh, like that crying. And I'm like... No, really, you don't. You really don't need to cry. Don't worry about it. There's nothing to be scared of. And she's just still crying. And she's like, I, I don't want to talk about it anymore. I don't want to talk about it anymore. And I'm holding her there in this conversation. And then I have this moment, this patriot moment. Where I'm like, I am the trauma. I am giving her the trauma now by keeping her in this conversation. When she is literally, literally saying, I want to go upstairs. I want to go to bed, right? I've, I'd, 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 I messed this conversation up so much in that moment that my daughter was actually asking me to go to bed. So I've gone, okay, go, go upstairs. And then the second, and then Tiggy, she's left. And um, uh, I'm like, okay, I start to carry on the conversation with the younger one. And she's like, I want to go upstairs as well. I want to go upstairs as well, like this. I'm like, you don't, and they have this thing, the younger one, definitely idolizes but would never admit that she idolizes the older one so I have this moment she copies her so I have this moment where I'm like you don't have to just do what Mia does you can stay here you were having this conversation with me Tig she's just a bit like um no I don't want to I don't want to I'm like why I just don't want to and I, keep, I kind of push her and I'm like but why don't you want to and she just kind of blurts out and says this bear in mind they are cats and dogs these two and then she says because she's my sister and I love her and I, I, I love her and I want to be with her. And I was just like, I was taken aback and I was just like, oh, my MG. And I was like, okay, go, go upstairs. And then that was it. That was a conversation. <laughs> and then obviously I went into work the next day and I was like, oh my God, listen, listen to what I did. Listen to how I messed it up. And just, it was just this funny anecdote where I was the trauma and it was all going so well. And then I just held them in this space until I realised that, oh, no, you've got to let them go. And then we left it at that. And that, I think that what that did is that just served to break the ice for the, ne- for the time when we had the conversation after, which actually I did in two parts. I did it, I did it separately. So, you know, the older one, she, you know, she's, she, neither of them had their periods yet. But that conversation went that much, you know, that went that much better and it was broken down. It was all about let's let's do it when you're on your own which is very rare they're always together and I did it when my other daughter was at sleepover and such so and so and it just gave us the space to do everything and she was then able to ask the questions rather than be the dynamic between the two of them which is what that was you know that first conversation they're looking at each other and thinking what are you thinking what are you thinking what are you feeling oh my god I want to go with you oh my god I love you which 
you know, she has never said since, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so having, yeah. after having those conversations with your daughters, do you find that you're more open now about when you have your period and how you're feeling? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I definitely am. I, I still do a closed door. Like I, I still keep the door closed. Um, and actually sitting here, I'm thinking maybe I don't need to do that anymore. But I think, I think there are certain things that I, I, I want my own privacy for. Mm. I don't, I'm sitting here thinking, oh, it'd be good. It'd be good education for them to see how you do things. And perhaps when those moments come and they really need to be more practical, then, then I will be there. But actually I, I don't think everything I do has to be a lesson for them because I'm my own person. And so, you know, I don't really want the door open when I'm changing my tampon or I don't, you know, there are certain things that I kind of think I want to reserve my privacy for. Um, but I'll certainly, uh, it's other than that, it's all there. It's all there. Um, if I am having, uh, I haven't actually said to them, oh, I think I'm in a bad mood because of my period. I tend to just say I'm in a bad mood if I'm in a bad mood. So it's not necessarily attached to that. And maybe that's a conscious thing. I don't know. But often I've, because I've learned as a parent, you know, you have to show them how you feel because we are a dynamic. If I'm telling you to go to bed because I'm tired, I know you're not tired. It's 9.30. It's it's past your bedtime. But I know you're not tired. But if I tell you, do you know what? I I need you guys to go to bed. I know you might not be tired. But A, it's your bedtime. But B, I'm tired and I need my own time. I need you to go upstairs so I can have my own time because that makes me happier. And then I can do what I need to do. So I always try to address moods like that. I'm going to share it with you so that you know because then that's up to you to do something about that or not it sounds like you're you're you have been more open and mm. perhaps maybe it, things will continue to shift as they get older um i just want to shift a little bit towards um your business and um and the work that you do to create inclusivity within media organizations yeah um, can you talk a little bit about that yeah of course um so, you know, I, I had a good, just under 20 years, maybe 18 years in the media industry. And I fell into it like a lot of people do, I think. Uh, and I was on the commercial side of things. I was selling advertising and running teams. Uh, and by the time I left the last organization that I was in, um, I was running a team. Well, I, had, I was running a team of about, I don't know, 30 odd people and before but before that maybe a team of a department of like 50 or so people and I was the uh, uh, head of digital advertising so in there you've got different different teams doing different things not just salespeople, operations um, client services things like that and what I started to realize was that um, yes I could still sell yes I was a technical salesperson and I still loved that part of the job getting out there but actually where I've gathered all my energy from was the fact that I was we had a great culture we had a great team culture within our team which I almost felt not in an arrogant way I felt that and our experience told us that people gravitated to our department so uh, you know people wanted to work for us people 
were happy to work for us when we weren't there. People, were, you know, they they respected us. They enjoyed their time there. They learnt, and there was a a palpable energy that belonged to us and our identity. At the time, I just thought that was what team was. That was a definition of team. Um, but as I as I, I started to think about kind of exiting the business and thinking about what to do next, I started to realize and see that not all teams operated like that. Uh, and not all teams put energy into building a culture where we were all uh, we were all part of what made it really work. And there was less hierarchy. Yes, I was the boss, but I need you. You're the person I'm helping to deliver here. And I'm just here to facilitate that. What I started to notice in my last couple of years working in media was that I had a growing feeling inside of me about the kind of unfairness of it all. The fact I used to think, so I, I was literally, I was a step away from the board uh, and I was literally working for one, two, three, five white male middle-class men who were on the board who had actually been working together for 15 years plus. Um, and I didn't ever think, I don't think I ever was a woman who would pull out the feminist card at all. Not really. I would never think, oh, but it's because they're white men and I'm a, I'm a woman of colour. I wouldn't think that. I would think this is what the freaking world is like and you need to work your ass off if you want to get up there. And you know what? You can't complain about these people. You just have to be good enough to get a seat on there. This is the reality. And as I started to get more and more into it, I started to think, actually, this is the reality, but it shouldn't be like this. And I, and there are people like me or others uh, who literally can't get in because actually we're cl- we, it, it's closed. Um, and that just was growing inside me as a bit of resentment, actually. Um, and then I started to realize that's not my problem. That's not resentment. That's just me observing. So what we did with Project 23 is we launched a company that, A, understood the value of culture when it comes to performance. Because if people are happy, then funnily enough, they'll do great work. But also the lack of diversity and the lack of inclusion of that diversity within the media industry became the other thing. So as we are we are culture experts, but actually our passion is about building inclusive cultures and getting uh, the, the value and the, the equity of diversity to be seen at CEO level. That The more funny, you know, if we, we're an industry that's been desperate for innovation for years and years and years, and it's the, it's, the, it's the answer to so much, then how can we don't realize that diversity is the answer, not the problem? Mm. So that's what effectively what we do. We go around and we help our organizations understand that this is an answer to some of their strategies rather than something that the HR department has to do or um, the BAME group on the side that is really passionate about this stuff. This should mm. be part of your core corporate strategy. Amazing. I think it's so needed. I know from my background in media, it's, I know it's very... On a certain level, it's quite diverse. And then as you get more senior, certain, I know that as I got more senior in advertising media, I would look around and I would think, there's no one really that looks like me. So yeah. I, I, love, I love what you guys are doing. Uh, I think it's really, really positive. Thank um, you. I just want to round off the conversation um, by asking you, 
if listeners take one thing away from all the brilliant things that we've talked about, what would you want that to be? It's a great question. I think for me, like almost everything, um, it's that, and and this goes for some of the work that we do in the main, actually, at its core, it is about talking about a topic and, and, and really listening to what comes back to you. Um, you know, the fact that the fact that today we are in a world where I can be invited onto um, a podcast which is just about periods is incredible. It's incredible. Um, and I think the reason why it's so important is because these conversations need to happen. So I think if there's one thing that I want to everyone to consider is that well, you just have to start having the conversation to begin with. And if you've started already, then we can push the conversation a little bit more too, because there's, there tends to be, for most of us, I think there tends to be a barrier that we tend to not go past. So for me, it was, you know, maybe it's talking about moods with the, you know, the, how you can get PMT, what that does with my kids. I haven't done that yet. And, and that might feel, so push the conversation. Uh, and if we want things to get better, then sometimes you're going to feel slightly uncomfortable, but that's okay. And you can push through the discomfort. And when you push through the discomfort, you're probably going to get to the other side and realize something or learn something or hear someone in a different way or be connected in a different way. So yeah, have the conversation, push the conversation and, and ultimately listen. Brilliant. So where can listeners find out more about you and your company? Yeah, thank you. We so we have um, a pretty basic website called Project Twenty Project Twenty Three Works dot com, uh, and it tells you everything that we we do. Um, in essence, though, what we try and do is say, have a look at what we do, get inspired, get a gist of what we do, but please just reach out to us. So we're both uh, there's two of us, myself and Gary Reno. Um, and we're both on Twitter. We're both on LinkedIn. You can find us, Elaine Dela Cruz and Gary Reno. Um, we're always open to just art for people just to have a conversation with us because actually, before you come up with a big strategy on any of this stuff, uh, all that we try and do is have more honest conversations out in the market because often the conversations, particularly around diversity and inclusion, can be overly sanitized. Hmm. So we try and um, promote honest conversations so reach out to us ask us things uh, and that's usually where things start brilliant thank you so much for coming on the show thank you so much thank you so much and, and honestly I think this is a this is brilliant um, and what you're doing is incredible and you know I love seeing people that I've met years and years ago doing just that much better things than selling banners and buying banners it's good on us <laughs> yeah <laughs> For more inspiring conversations, head over to periodstorypod.com where we have so many more for you to peruse. If you want help with your menstrual or hormone health, email me on hello at eatlovemove.com to set up a free 30-minute hormone health review. If you like today's show, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Tag us, come say hi, and send in your requests for who you'd like to see on the show on Instagram and Twitter on at periodstorypod 
or email us at hello at periodstorypod.com. I'm Lenise Brothers, and you've been listening to Period Story. Thank you so much for listening.